Hello and welcome everyone to this second episode in the Inspiring People series. Um, this, this series, uh, Inspiring People, is put on by the Environmental Funders Network. My name is Julia Davis and I'm the funder of We Have the Power, which is an environmental fund. And our mission is uh, to protect our world, educate and restore. So that's where we get the power from. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by some of my plastic saving heroes. Um, plastic saving is a bit of an obsession of mine, and I've been very, very fortunate to work with um, these four amazing people that we're going to be talking to today. So we've got with us today, we've got Joe Morley from the fantastically innovative City to Sea. We have Louise Edge from Greenpeace. Well, I don't need to call you fantastically innovative because everybody knows who Greenpeace is. Um, we've got Julian Kirby from Friends of the Earth, and we have Tanya Bascom, who's joining us from the Lake District. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Tanya is from the European Outdoor Conservation Association. So, first of all, um, who are the Environmental Funders Network? Well, they're a network of trusts, foundations, and philanthropists, and they're all on a mission to um, to encourage those that are able to fund. Uh, charitable projects to put more of their funding towards environmental and conservation causes and they do that by highlighting all the fantastic projects that they fund themselves and hope that that will inspire others to, to do the same. And that ties in really well with, um, with my own environmental funds aims because one of the cornerstones of our activities, we're calling it Funding Nature and that is all about trying to find new funding rate, um, streams for us to try to restore nature in, in the UK because unfortunately we have one of the most depleted um, wildlife in the world despite the fact that we absolutely all love wildlife here so finding new ways to fund environment, the environmental causes and conservation is, is very very close to my heart. Um, the Inspiring People series it, it is all about showcasing um, some of the, uh, the work that is done by um, EFN members and the idea is it's really we're going to, to talk about the projects that are being funded and really hopefully then encourage other um, funding bodies to, to think about putting more money towards the environment and conservation. So today, uh, today's episode is all about um, single use and trying to replace single use with reuse. And this is something that, again, I'm really, really passionate about. I'm, I'm very fortunate to live in Bournemouth, which is generally fantastic. I live by the beach, I'm on the beach every single day and normally that's wonderful but recently when the lockdown restrictions eased we experienced a level of litter that we, we locally have just never ever seen before. It was, it was incredible, it was shocking. Um, every day I'm either walking dogs or running on the beach and when I'm running on the beach I, I pick up um, anything that's about to go in the sea because if it's plastic I can't leave it if it's about to enter the water. Most of what I was picking in the, picking up during those early days was um, what you'd expect, but there was an extra level of disposable beer cups, which is one of their, now one of my major missions to do something about that, because of course, um, you know, all, all our pubs and restaurants weren't open, so people were desperate to get out there, socialise and have a drink, but all of that's being served now in plastic disposable cups, and so numerous um, cups were about to enter the ocean. But I also pick up other very strange things, and these ones don't end up in, in the bin or recycling bin, so I'm waiting to set up a, a, a toy library at the beach when I can. And so I've picked up about four of these 
um, in about two weeks. Um, and that's it, sorry, snorkeling mask, um, nice swimming hat, and probably in any week, I probably pick up um, maybe 10 to 15 pieces of plastic toys that are about to enter the ocean. And I'm sure sometimes people think that they're just being nice leaving those toys on the beach for another, other children to play with, but once they're in the ocean, they're microplastic, as we know. So that's why I'm, I've got a bit of a bee in my bonnet about plastic. Um, so let's, let's get on and meet some of the fantastic people we've got here to talk to you today. And can we start with Joe? Joe, can you tell us about City to Sea and what you do? Yeah, of course. Thank you, Julia, for the lovely intro. And thanks for having me here today. It's nice to be here with so many other inspiring um, campaigners. So yeah, really grateful for the opportunity. Um, so I'm Joe. I head up the marketing and campaigns team at City to Sea. We are a Bristol-based environmental not-for-profit and we run campaigns uh, to prevent plastic pollution and we focus on targeting the most polluting single-use plastic items. So they're the ones that are most commonly washing up on UK beaches. Um, and then we, we really work to put uh, practical solutions uh, and change behaviour to stop them getting there. So we're not having to clean our beaches in the future. Um, City to Sea was founded by Natalie, Natalie Fee who is a campaigner and activist, and she saw the film um, Albatross, which if you haven't seen, I would definitely say is, is worth a watch. It's, it's really harrowing, but for her, it connected her for the first time to the plastic that she was using every day and these birds that were just dying thousands of miles away. Um, so it was that and um, the rivers of plastic she saw flowing out of Bristol that really prompted her to set up City to Sea. So for us, it's all about connecting people's actions, the day-to-day single-use plastic that we use with our oceans and um, the long-term impact that it has on them. Thank you. Thanks very much, Joe. We, we always um, hear lots about plastic in the ocean, but um, it's, it's not just a marine problem, is it? Uh, Tanya, what, what do the outdoor industry think about um, these issues? Thanks very much, Julia, and thank you very much for inviting me today. Um, so just to give you a little bit of background, I jointly run the European Outdoor Conservation Association, EOCA, which is a conservation charity working within the European outdoor industry. Uh, so we raise money from the industry to put directly into a broad range of on-the-ground conservation projects around the world on the basis that by all working together, we can make a much bigger difference than by everybody doing their own separate things. So not to mention that without the beautiful outdoor spaces which people enjoy and derive so much benefit from, there would be no outdoor industry. So the sector actually has a vested interest in protecting it and keeping our outdoors healthy. So to answer your question, um, last year we launched a plastic focus as one of the branches of our work to tackle the issue of single-use plastic in the outdoors. And no, it's not just a marine problem. Plastic um, dropped in the hills, dropped in the mountains and other wild places will get blown into streams, into hedges, lakes, rivers, and eventually will end up in the ocean, as well as polluting those watercourses and the land around them. And I'm sure you can imagine animals get caught or injured or killed um, even in discarded single-use rubbish. And the plastic itself breaks down, leaching toxins into the soil and to the water. So EOC has been funding uh, projects to clean up what's already there, as well as raising awareness um, to, and, and education to stop it getting there in the first place. Thanks very much, very much Tanya. Um, 
Julian, I think um, Friends of the Earth have done a lot of work on this about the impact of single-use waste on, on, on our wildlife. Did you want to add anything? Yeah, thanks, Julia. Um, and um, great to be here with, with uh, all these inspiring people and, and, um, and thanks for your support. Um, Friends of the Earth, very quickly, is uh, the world's largest grassroots uh, campaign organisation for environmental justice. So that's, so that's uh, for the environment, for its own right, but also, of course, the rights of people to live in a, in a clean and healthy and safe environment. Um, and, and, and plastic pollution um, has caught the public imagination, in particular because of its impacts on marine life, um, as, as, as we've touched upon, but also, as we were just hearing, it's in terrestrial environments. Uh, it's in the air. It's in the air that we breathe. Uh, we're increasingly getting to know about um, how much plastic we as people are ingesting through the air that we breathe and also you know in, in our in our food and water and of course the science as to the impacts of this on our health is in its infancy but we know from what plastic does to animals um, that that we should be worried about it and that we should be researching it with urgency and we should be doing everything we can to reduce how much plastic is flowing into the environment and um, vast amounts are still flowing into the environment and on um, business as usual uh, we'll see more and more of that happening so we need to take a, a systemic approach um, to tackle plastic pollution from all its many sources um, and and that means um, absolutely reducing single-use plastic throwaway plastic as well I would add to that as well so things that are made perhaps we use more than once but they uh, fall apart quite quickly thanks thanks very much Julia so um, I think it's worth just reflecting on why plastic is such a big problem. Um, Louise, can you help us with that? Yeah, um, some of the things have been touched on already, but I mean, essentially, it's a big problem because it, it's so much part of our lives. Since it was introduced in the 50s and adopted as this wonder material, um, you know, it went into everything. So today, everything from our carpets, uh, as well as our packaging, as well as our clothing has plastic in it. So getting out of plastic, single use plastic, stopping it getting into the environment is a huge challenge. Um, and on top of that, it's a particular problem because the sheer volumes. So not only are we producing a vast amount of plastic, we are producing more and more plastic each year. So the prediction is that we're going to have, um, well, over the last 10 years, say, to give you a sense of the scale, we've produced more plastic than we have in the last 100 years. And according to all the number crunching that's been done by experts, that amount of plastic that we're producing is set to double by 2020. So it's a huge problem. It's a solvable problem. I think everybody on this call will agree. But what we really need to do is tackle the root cause, which is throw away using plastic, which is this, this wonder material in a way, it can last for centuries and does last for centuries in our environment. We need to only use it, we need to stop using it for single use, absolutely. Um, and we're not doing that right now. I think we all, we're all very aware that of all the commitments that have been made, they aren't gonna solve the plastic problem. Um, which is why we've been working with groups like, like Friends of the Earth and City to Sea on really highlighting the need for targets. So companies and governments adopting strong targets and we're advocating at least halving the amount of single-use plastic um, that we produce over the next five years. And I know Gillian's done an awful lot more work as well on other types of microplastics. So it's a big problem, but... Um, we can solve it and, and as you said tackling the whole kind of single use 
issue is a big part of that. So shifting over to reuse in things like packaging, as well as designing things so that they last rather than are disposable. That's really great news. I think that's exactly right. It's not about being anti-plastic. Because like you said, plastic can be fantastic. It has great uses because of its, its durability. It's about treating it as if it is this thing that goes away because it doesn't go away, does it? It's, it's here forever. Um, Joe, do you want to talk to us about some of the main things that you think are causing um, the, the horrendous plastic that we see you know, on programmes like um, The Blue Planet and, and which I see on my beach? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, there's a huge number of factors that contribute to marine plastic pollution, everything from the fishing industry and ghost nets to the tire dust from our cars. But, you know, we do know that about 80% of marine litter comes from land-based sources. And of the litter that we're finding on UK beaches, about half of this is single use. And as Louise touched on, you know, this, this is something we really just need to to stop or we've got to turn off the tap. We're creating, you know, I think uh, annually we create about 300 uh, million tons of plastic and half of this is, is also single use. So on UK beaches, it's things like uh, plastic bottles are still up there and in, and in UK rivers. It's food containers and wrappers, it's takeaway containers. Um, and actually about 6% of the, the plastic that we're finding on beaches are things that we flush down our toilets. So that's menstrual products. Uh, wet wipes, you know, we use about 11 billion wet wipes in the UK every year and most people don't realise that most of them contain plastic. So it, it's identifying the items and then just finding solutions um, to, to stop them uh, existing. Um, so reuse is obviously um, a really great way of us just properly championing the, the waste hierarchy and, and rethinking, refusing, reducing before we even get to recycling because we know that it's not the solution. Uh, for things like single-use plastic bottles, we, we launched our refill campaign as a really simple way of uh, just connecting people to free drinking water. You know, we recognised there wasn't the infrastructure. If you were thirsty when you were out and about, you had to buy a plastic bottle of water because there wasn't really a solution. So we now have about 30,000 refill stations around the UK, um, making it easier for people to, to access that free drinking water. And... Um, this year, we've estimated we saved about 100 million plastic bottles from doing that. So I think now it's looking at scaling that and scaling uh, other reuse systems to find alternatives to, to some of the worst offending single-use plastic items. Thank you, Joe. I think this is one of the good things that um, city to see do well, is you, you tackle these subjects that are quite hard to talk about, like, um, like period plastic. Um, you know, the, the work that you've done with schools on that has really moved it forward. And, and now we are seeing a, a, an increasing number of reusable products for that. Um, you know, you didn't used to see all this new, um, the, the, the period underwear that's coming along now. It looks great, doesn't it? And it's becoming more and more accepted. So I think that's yeah. thanks in, in a, a big degree, not just to the work that City to City do, but all the work that all of your organisations have done to, you know, really hammer home this message about, um, about throwing away this waste that doesn't go away. Um, obviously at this time we've all been affected um, in all manner of different ways by uh, the pandemic and the coronavirus which has been a tragedy on so many levels for so many people um, you know even if they haven't suffered illness themselves or been aware of it so many people are suffering from that economically right now but um, I know that it's had a lot of impact on your work and I've been talking in particular to Joe about that so Joe can you just 
you know just tell everyone you know what you've had to do in light of the pandemic to yeah of course the pandemic's had a huge impact on so much of the progress we've made in tackling um, plastic pollution and I'm sure we'll cover kind of more of the wider um, issues in more depth today but from a city to sea perspective you know two of our, our campaigns were really seriously impacted. Refill obviously is about connecting people to um, locations where they can can refill and fill up their, their bottle or their coffee cup so for us the with the high street effectively closing down overnight um, and even before the, the lockdown hit, you know, we saw a knee-jerk reaction from um, high street chains who just straight away um, banned reusables, even though at the time there wasn't the, the scientific evidence to, to demonstrate that. And, you know, Greenpeace have done amazing work in getting that message out there, which has really helped um, and supported the work that, um, that we've been doing. The other campaign for us that was really affected was our plastic-free travel campaign. So, uh, and this is something uh, that, that Julia supported us with and was a campaign we just started making quite a lot of headway with. We launched a plastic pledge for the hospitality industry uh, and had got a number of major hotel chains to sign up pledging to reduce uh, unnecessary single-use plastic from their rooms, from their supply chain, uh, from their restaurants, and getting them to sign up to refill as well. So they were removing, for example, single-use plastic bottles from their rooms and instead encouraging their uh, customers to download the refill app and to refill when they're out and about. So obviously that was another sector that, um, that had closed down. You know, we're now looking at where we go from that and um, kind of in the immediate time, we've, we've really focused on getting reusables back on the menu. We've launched um, a reuse action group, so bringing together industry experts from the food to go sector, from NGOs, from other reuse schemes to really push um, to get that out and also creating that guidance. So um, matching up, you know, Greenpeace have done the amazing work of getting the message out there that they're safe. And what we've done now is put the guidance out to say, uh, we know it's safe and here's actually how you can do it in practice. So we launched our contactless coffee campaign in May. And since then, we've seen hundreds of um, cafes come back on board and some big chains, including Costa, which has been really great. And we also kind of had to respond really quickly to some of the more immediate threats like PPE. So we've been campaigning to get people to choose to reuse when it comes to um, masks and because we know that the government and the World Health advice is that actually a reusable mask is perfectly safe um, and you don't need to use a uh, single use when it comes to PPE. So while some things had slowed down for us, other things have, have really ramped up. Um, so it's been, it's been you know, broadly quite positive um, and I think there's still a lot of work that we all need to do together to make sure that plastics doesn't drop off the agenda. Thank you, Gio. Yeah, I know that this, um, this is something that, you know, I, I've been talking to you about, haven't I? I think I was straight on the um, email or the phone to you after I had my first trip to the hairdressers post-lockdown and um, was horrified that before I could even sort of even open my mouth, I think I had three separate... Um, disposable plastic gowns put over me um, and then no more you know normal towels anymore it was a disposable towel um, there was just everywhere you know I, I, I started to count and then I just you know lost the will to live when I started to count the amount of pieces of um, single-use plastic that were involved in me going and getting my roots done <laughs> and my hair trimmed um, and I had a really good chat with the um, the hair salon about that and that's all coming from government there's just you know all of these businesses not just hairdressers they're all being provided with this 
these bibles of um, guidance around making their businesses safe which of course they're all desperate to do because they want to get open again and the go-to seems to be single-use items single-use ppe so i think this is something that we um we need to to talk about julian did you want to say anything about that um about you know what we can do about this this sort of extra new issue of ppe outside of the hospital environment I, mean, I, I think it, it, it's really imp important that we have a really evidence-based, really informed approach to dealing with plastic pollution that can take into account things like a global pandemic um, or, or changes in technology or changes in, in, in markets and, and such like. Um, the, the Environment Bill, which is a this big signature piece of legislation that's going through the UK Parliament at the moment but has been on ice since, since lockdown, um, uh, it started taking evidence from people before the COVID crisis really hit the UK. Um, and, and one of the things that certainly opposition MPs are calling for at the moment, which I think is quite right, is, is for, um, for parliamentarians to, to, to go back to the drawing board with that and to, to take evidence again since pan the pandemic has hit, because so many of our assumptions, some of the assumptions that are in the legislation really need uh, looking at over again. Um, and, and of course, you know, the, the assumptions around we have to shift back to single use, uh, which, which, as we're hearing here, aren't, aren't well founded, um, but are being absolutely driven by a, a, an aggressive plastics lobby that is saying, look at, um, look at uh, personal protective equipment. Isn't it, isn't it a wonderful example of single use plastic? Therefore, all single use plastic is great. Let's not have any bans on it. You know, we, we, need, we need to take on that kind of, um, that kind of misinformation. So um, but I think also that's perhaps reflective, as I say, of that sort of broader systemic approach you know, that we need. When you look at plastic pollution, um, you can substitute plastic for carbon. It's, uh, and, and really, it's the same conversation. Uh, it comes from so many different sources and it has so many different impacts. Uh, the, the impacts um, we, very eye-catching are straws up turtle noses and, and, and you know, post-mortems on whales so showing their full, stomachs full of, of plastic and, and, and such like, which is horrific. But uh, microplastics that we've touched on uh, will interfere with a, an, an animal's ability to evade capture, to, to reproduce um, and, and move around generally. And they're also uh, vectors so they transmit pathogens. Uh, even the COVID virus was found on, on air pollution quite some, some way away um, from where uh, the, the air pollutants were released. So if you look at the many, many different impacts, and then on the other hand, the many, many different sources of plastic pollution, and then again, also the different tools in the box for dealing with it, whether it's deposit return schemes, which I think uh, Louise will probably say something about, or, um, or, or product bans, and, uh, and we had a limited number of bans in this country that have now been put on ice also for uh, plastic stem cotton buds and straw, coffee stirrers and straws. Um, you know, those sorts of initiatives are, are pardon, pardon, drop in the ocean. Um, uh, and then there's taxes. The, the European um, Union looks set to, um, to, to, to um, establish a, a tax on plastic waste, which would be a useful thing, but would have limited impact on the people who produce the plastic in the first place. So for all of those reasons, you need to, to really sit down and take your time to look at, right, what is the right approach for dealing with the worst impacts, for dealing with the, with the uses of plastic that maybe would take some time to figure out how to, how to tackle them, uh, vehicle tire dust, for example, or microfibers from clothes. And that's why it's so important that you get that kind of legislation right. And, and, and it's right why it's so important that in the here and now, uh, we, we avoid those knee-jerk reactions to things like the pandemic. Um, and, and, but yet that's precisely what we're seeing with, with all of this PPE. Thank you, Julian. Um, yeah, Louise, I wanted to bring you in there because um, 
you know, I so often think, you know, like that there, there are such, there would be such sweeping changes that could be made with the right uh, legislation. And the bottle return, uh, bottle return scheme just seems such an obvious one that we should be having right now, shouldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, can, can I just make another point on the COVID yeah. debate, um, just to introduce some, some kind of, well, I think some positive things are potentially coming out for plastics. Um, one, it, I, I say that, for, I'll preface it by saying I totally agree, we really need to focus our energy in the way that we are at the moment, which is on pushing back, um, as CTC are doing, against, you know, coffee companies not going down the contactless coffee route it, it makes no sense at all and it's just a waste of resource so um, we really need to focus on pushing back um, on those kind of things and on you know water not being available you can do it safely and we just need to make sure that we get the voices out there that can say that so get the medics talking about it um, but on the uh, some of the potential upsides, a lot of what Greenpeace does is, is work with supermarkets, which I know is, is, is one of the initiatives that you helped support. Um, and from the meetings we've had with them, we've been obviously asking them about COVID and impact. And they're saying, actually, there are some pros and there are some cons because so much plastic while shutdown happened wasn't being sold. A lot of on the go plastic, um, you know, your Coke bottles, your takeaway sandwich, that stuff just fell off completely. And then on the flip side, people have been buying bulk. So they've been buying less individual items. And then a really interesting one is particularly with Tesco now, choosing now <laughs> to be the time that they, they trial loop their at-home reusable delivery scheme. Um, you know, that's really opened up a conversation about the fact with COVID, everyone's shifting to home shopping. And actually, in terms of um, reusables, home delivery, home shopping, while there are you know, other environmental factors we need to take into account, like making sure deliveries are electric vehicles and they take things both, you know, they drop off and they take away, um, is a huge opportunity for reuse. So there are potentially some real positives coming out of this. Um, but absolutely, now is the time to make sure that we that we keep the pressure on and that we get a deposit return scheme, as a for instance, as well as getting the bans that we need and the new legislation that we've been pushing for that's supposed to be in the Environment Bill, um, but we've still got a fight on our hands for, which is this legislation to halve plastic production. Thank you very much, Louise. I was smiling when you uh, mentioned Luke because I had my first delivery today. Oh, excellent. I was so excited and it was really good. Yeah, really. I'm so impressed. Um, you know, the whole, it, it, it's so slick, the, the whole thing. Um, and yeah, very, very exciting to see that being um, rolled out in such a sort of prominent place as well. You know, te Tesco's, whatever you think of Tesco's. Um, Lots and lots of people shop at them, to, so to have that as the starting place for these home delivered um, returnables is fantastic. And I know that there are other companies just, you know, waiting in the wings about to launch trials like Good Club, and there's obviously all the local refill shops as well. So this whole issue of, you know, people getting their groceries um, in refilled items and not having all of that single-use waste is, like you said, it, that's one of the positives. Um, there's a lot of negatives in all of this, but that's a, that's a, a really great um, step forward. So thanks for bringing that up. And um, I think that, that there have been, there's been a lot of news coverage and there have been some other 
positives that have come out of the, the pause, the period when we had to sort of um, step away from normal life. Tanya, do you want to say something about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think during lockdown, many people have had time to take stock and appreciate the outdoors, noticing nature, marvelling at how quickly nature has reappeared in towns and cities and rivers where it's not been seen for many, many years. Not to mention actually being able to explore from your own doorstep because you're not allowed to travel um, rather than jumping into the car and sort of heading off to the hills. You can actually find some really lovely spaces right on, you know, not far from your own home. So getting out and immersing yourself in nature also provides huge benefits mentally as well. Um, and you know, there's a couple of other things as well. I think people have realised that actually it's possible to work from home and it's possible to have meetings online rather than having to travel. That's another benefit I think that people really have started to, to take note of uh, during this crisis, that they don't have to travel nearly as much as they thought they would do. Thank you. And, and that's great. People have been, they've got out and enjoyed nature, but the, the sort of sad side of everyone going out and enjoying nature has been the kind of litter that we've then seen in, um, you know, in, in like places like the Lake District and, yeah, um, you know, on our beautiful countryside, our forests. Um, I mean, just talking about single use, one of the, the most awful examples of single use that we've been impacted by down in Dorset is single use barbecues. Um, my closest forest, which I've walked in, you know, all my adult life, um, had, had suffered its, its biggest wildfire ever during the lockdown and caused by um, a combination of multiple disposable barbecues and you know the driest April and May since we can ever really remember so again that's you know it's not it's not plastic but it's single use and it's bad it's causing these you know really appalling impacts and this whole um, series and um, the whole series of inspiring people it, it is all about um, philanthropy and, and how that can help tackle um, environmental and conservation issues. So um, I'd like to just talk a little bit now about how important charitable giving is to tackling this whole issue of, of rubbish. Um, so perhaps, um, Tanya, perhaps you can talk about you know, what that, that funding means to IOCA. Okay, yes. Um, so we launched our Plastic Free Mountain to Sea Focus in 2019 to work with our members um, to, you know, and the industry to, to play its part in tackling the single-use plastic issue. So our aim was to raise awareness, educate people as to alternatives, um, and to also at the same time clear 3,000 kilometres of mountain trail and beach habitats from single-use plastic pollution. So as Julia had been um, involved for, for many, many years in the outdoor industry herself, um, and with her known passion for tackling single-use plastic, we worked together um, to create a plastic pledge within the context of, of um, our focus, concentrating on two international trade shows um, that take place for the industry every year. So companies signed up to our pledge, um, committing to reduce their use of single-use plastic on their stands, to provide drinking water, um, refills for all staff and visitors to their stands, um, and to encourage the use of reusables, so reusable bottles, mugs, crockery. And the results have been fantastic, and we're not finished by a long shot. 
So we also worked with the show providers to make sure that there were water fountains and washing up facilities in every hall. Um, and not only this, but we also managed to persuade the show organisers to cut their use of the single-use carpet uh, by 70%, which is no small feat when you um, think that each show uses tens of kilometres of carpet for just four days of the show before it gets ripped up and, and chucked out again. Um, so it was, we had great results, so 75% of exhibiting EOCA members signed up to our plastic pledge and we also got a good number of other companies joining in too that weren't members of ours. Um, we got rid of sweet, uh, sweet wrappers, coffee pods, plastic water bottles, cups, coffee stirrers and all sorts of other individual um, sachets of things. Um, and the pledge was taken to and used at other shows by Yoka members who'd signed up to the pledge. And uh, one of the greatest uh, results we had was also that the organisers of a completely separate trade show saw our pledge and liked it so much that they decided to sign up and take it to their show as well for use. So um, very, very exciting results so far and long may it continue. Thank you, Tanya. I, I, I love that story. I think it's really great. So it, that's one industry, you know, two trade shows. Um, and just look at the impact just, you know, just tackling each one of those trade shows. I mean, who knew about single-use carpet? Then, you know, I've been to this, these trade shows. They are huge. Um, just, so to think of all of that carpet just being dumped in the bin afterwards and, and through this initiative, we've, we've saved that plus all of the other stuff. It's, really really incredibly satisfying so yeah thank you so much for everything you did on that Tanya it's was, it was really amazing to um yeah to, to work with you on that um Louise what about Greenpeace yeah um I'd say one thing that's um potentially unusual about Greenpeace is we don't take any money from from companies and we don't take any money from government so we're a hundred percent reliant basically on on individuals um so so trusts char charitable foundations are really really key for us um and i think that's played out particularly strongly in the plastics work uh, and a couple of examples one is uh supermarkets work which uh, you can see why we have to have the financial independence for companies <laughs> because we're we're basically going into um, the arena of supermarkets in this case did a similar thing with soft drinks companies um, and basically holding them to account so asking them to report tell us be transparent about what plastic they're using what the volumes are what non-recyclable plastics they're using what strategies they've got for reducing plastics for shifting to reuse um, and then we collated all of that information into a lead table. Um, and that was one of the pieces of work that Julia, I believe you funded um, and helped happen. That type of work we found to be incredibly effective because we've got this mix of the public being incredibly, um, as Jules mentioned earlier, you know, people are very, very passionate about the plastics issue supermarkets are where they get most of their food so they want to know how their local supermarkets doing um, so what that work lets us do is is showcase and create a competition effectively between the supermarkets to do better um, and so far that's led that's led to um, Sainsbury's and then more recently Aldi pledging to halve their use of single-use plastic in, in consumer packaging um, there's far more to do and we are running the, the, uh, the survey again 
um, that that kind of work where you can kind of you know harness the passion of the public and focus it is really powerful um, and then the only thing other thing I'd mention very briefly is um, we had a piece of work that, that frankly we wouldn't have been able to do otherwise um, that happened last year which was a big nationwide survey of UK rivers for microplastics which was linked to um, work again done jointly with Friends of the Earth amongst others to um, get some action in the environment bill so specific commitments on plastic production the halving um, of plastic production by 2025 in the environment bill that went ahead um, because it was uh, postcode lottery funded it was the first time we'd taken funds from them um, and yeah it meant that we could do a really big nationwide project that really reached MPs in their constituencies and at Westminster um, and we'll wait to see if we get a reduction in the environment bill watch this space <laughs> Thanks very much, Louise. I, th I think that um, from previous conversations, I recall that um, when you first carried out that supermarket survey, I think um, Sainsbury's was offering a 1% reduction in, in plastics and then that went up to 50%. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Which just shows the impact that this funding can have because without the funding, um, you wouldn't have been able to do the survey and, and that wouldn't have happened. You know, and obviously it was only one aspect of the campaigning around supermarket plastic but by delving into the detail and by showing how each supermarket was doing differently to each other I think that really really set up the competition which led to incredibly significant reductions so yeah that was a really really important piece of work that um, that that funding made happen and that's what we're talking about today that's the, that's the focus of this so it's important to highlight it and um, Joe, what, what about yourself? So if you talk about, you know, how funding has been important to city to see and what that's enabled you to do. Yeah, of course. I mean, ultimately, we couldn't do what we do without the funding that we receive from, you know, from, from donors, amazing people like Julia and from from our partners. So it it's essential. Um, you know, we, we need we need funding to be able to have the impact that we're having. Um, uh, and I think just a specific example would be the funding we've, we've received um, from Julia has enabled us to deliver our plastic free travel campaign. Without that, we wouldn't have been able to do that. And that's been a you know, hugely successful piece of work in that we have been able to engage with the hospitality sector, which is historically an incredibly wasteful, uh, wasteful sector. Um, we were successful in getting uh, through a partnership with um, Network Rail, which was only made possible as part of this campaign. There are now water fountains in every station in the UK. Uh, there are now 100 water fountains all over Heathrow. We'd started making some headway with other airports as well, because we know from, from research that actually when people are traveling uh, is when firstly they kind of have a, a sense finished responsibility about their, their use of plastic and also it was one of the key drivers to people um, purchasing bottled water because historically at an airport or a train station you couldn't fill up so you know just that that one piece of work um, with with the network rail stations has saved over five million bottles in the last year um, and the work we did with the hotels has prevented millions of pieces of plastic and I'm sure you know when things return to, to some level of normality there's still a lot of work to be done with um, with that sector 
Um, and the funding also, uh, really importantly, has enabled us to expand our refill campaign. So we're, we're going to be expanding from just drinking water to essentially making it the go-to app to avoid all single-use plastic. So you'll be able to find out where to fill up your coffee cup or take your reusable lunchbox or find a zero-waste shop. Um, and none of that would be possible without, um, without funding. So yeah, we're, we're really grateful and we're, we're, there's so much more that could be done, um, which is you know, exciting and there's a lot of opportunities there. Thanks, thanks very much, Joe. I know Joe, um, City to Sea and Friends of the Earth have worked quite closely on um, some of the campaigns. So Julian, can you talk about um, yes, how funding has helped Friends of the Earth focus on some of these issues and, yeah, and, and what that's achieved so far and, and you know, where you're going next with that? Yeah, great. Okay, thanks, Julian. So, um, the, the first first thing I mentioned is uh, is the the legislation I've talked about the the, the, the need for systemic uh, approach to plastic pollution, and, and it, it can take time to get good quality legislation on the books. Uh, the Climate Change Act took actually many many years of campaigning and many years uh, before the campaigning for the Climate Change Act of campaigning that there should be legislation. You know, of some sort. So, uh, but we got there in the end, and, and it, 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 you know, whilst we're still in a climate emergency, and, and we've got a lot more work to do on that for sure, it's provided an incredibly, incredibly useful sort of uh, bulwark against slipping back on, on, on climate in this country, and, and a great framework for moving, moving forwards and for improving on. Um, so we, we have been, uh, and, and very much with your support, um, pushing um, a, a plastic pollution bill, which is based on the same principles of the Climate Change Act. Uh, and growing an alliance, growing um, uh, the, the, the support base across NGOs and faith groups and also of course in parliament and, and businesses and, and so on, um, to say that these principles uh, that would define how you take that systemic across the board approach to plastic pollution are worked into the environment bill that, that, I, that I mentioned earlier on. And as I say, this is slow burn work and it, it can take years, but, but it, it's incredibly important work and, and, and work that, you know, even when actually times don't look so promising, you know, we need to keep going at and if, it, if we don't get over the hurdle this time, then, you know, we come back at it having made the argument and slowly building, um, building that support. Um, but we do need to also things, transformations in the here and now, both, um, because we've got to get on with it, we can't wait for that legislation, um, but also because transformations in the here and now give people hope and they inspire people to, to join the cause for the more complex longer term transformations. And so um, you've also um, helped us work, I'm holding up here, a, a single use plastic takeaway tray uh, and also a single use uh, fork, but it's got compostable written on it. So um, its manufacturers will claim that it's not plastic. Um, but in, in both cases, what you've got here is single use and, and the quotes compostable, uh, I mean, the, the sharp, um, what do you call these prongs or something, and bits of the fork will, will harm animals. Um, who knows how long that will take to decompose the environment and also, uh, of course, it, it's a waste stream and it demands resources. So we need to make that transformation. Um, we've really, really enjoyed working with a great startup called CanCan. Um, who you're also um, a supporter of, um, Julia and, and City to see me working with as well, um, who um, are blazing a trail and working out how we can have what I call systemic reusables. So unlike, now hold up another thing here, this is my, my keep cup. Um, this is perhaps a personal reusable. Uh, I own it, I wash it. Uh, many people don't wash it. Uh, and so when they go to get their coffee, you know, the likes of somebody from PrEP was telling me the other day, you wouldn't believe the horrors that we're presented with sometimes. Uh, whereas a systemic reusable, 
the, the company or the, 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 the scheme owns it and will make sure that it's properly washed, it's hygienic and all the rest of it. But also, of course, we don't then have all of the waste uh, and, and that, that comes with everybody owning things that they don't use all that often. Um, and many of us have these cups I'm holding up again here um, in, at home in the drawer rather than in their bag because it may leak. Um, so that's been fantastic work to, 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 to work with those guys and to grow great partnerships. Uh, and of course, it was clobbered by uh, the pandemic and, and, and lockdown. Um, but we, we were on the cusp of we were actually rolling out sort of um, variations of this scheme with student unions across the country. Um, and and also you know other other partners a major catering um company that, that would be bringing this sort of a scheme into canteens across its its, its portfolio i just want to say one other thing very quickly on this which is that those are two areas that you supported julia but you also through that inspired another area of work that straddled between the two of them and that was us um, going to the premier league clubs because there's a massive overlap between these two things i've talked about and we mentioned the single-use floppy pint cups earlier on well, you know, those are used in, I mean, Arsenal estimated they were getting through 25,000 of those per game. Um, but we, we were involved with them and others in, in, in driving that shift towards reusables. Uh, and, uh, and we had a plastics pledge, uh, as a common name here by the sound of it, for different sectors. We had a plastics pledge for the Premier League. Um, and uh, one of the, the big uh, clubs had just decided it was going to back our pledge and, and another was going to likely go for it too. And then we would have a domino after that. And of course, then lockdown hit. But hopefully that will all you know, uh, resume at some point when we have you know, the new normal um, that we come back to. So that's, um, that, that's our work, yeah. Thanks very much, Julian. Yeah, I think it's really important to remember in all of this that the, the charitable sector is doing fantastic in all of this, but there are, you know, initiative young companies coming along, uh, like CanCan -Can you mentioned, but also, you know, there's other companies like Collibox, and, and they are coming up with solutions as well. Thank you, Joe, holding up her Collibox. Um, and yeah, it, it's, we need all of these things. We can't just have one, we need the whole thing. So I'm now being told that we've, um, we've, we've enjoyed chatting to everyone so much. We have to wrap this up. We don't have time for our, um, our last, what do we do next? But um, I just want to say it's been fantastic talking to all of you. You know how inspirational I find you all. Um, it, it's the work that all of you do um, it, it is tackling these really, really difficult issues. It, it is rubbish. We've got to sort it out. Um, and also, I just want to say that I, I'm very, very aware that all um, charitable organisations are going through very difficult times at the moment, just as all businesses are, just as all individuals are. Um, so many of your income streams have dried up. You know, there, there's, there's not just no London Marathon this year, there's, there's no running events at all, and there are big fundraisers for you. There's no fates, there's no festivals, uh, and everyone's feeling the pinch, so that's going to affect you as well. So right now the importance of funding from um, charitable trusts and foundations and philanthropists is more important than ever so i really do hope that some some people listen to this and are inspired to get in touch this is the, the whole area of tackling single use is, is somewhere some an area where you can really tangibly see the impact if we can sort this out that's tons and tons of rubbish that we're getting rid of so thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for everyone, everyone for taking part. And um, yeah, I hope you tune in for the next uh, wonderful episode of Inspiring People.